Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a bi-weekly podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming and the topics that affect the board game community. In episode 11, the Punchboarders discuss recent plays, answer a question from the mailbag, discuss Gen Con and Gen Can't, and then finish with a full review of Merlin. Hi, everybody. I'm Clef. And I'm Chad. And I'm Richie. All right, gentlemen. I am back from Gen Con. I made it. You are, but you are, you're looking a little bit peaked. (laughs) I I cannot argue with that. I I can't believe this, but I caught the Gen crud. Did you not take your own advice? Oh, boy. I got to admit this story. Okay. Well, I, I did. I bought some emergency type of vitamin C type of things. But this time, instead of pills, I decided, oh, look at these yummy little gummies. These look delicious. <laughs> so I thought, what a great idea. I put them into my bag and packed my bag, put it in the trunk. We drove all the way. I got to the hotel and I pulled out my bag and I pulled out the gummies. And guess what happens to gummies when they get hot? Uh-oh. <laughs> yep. It was an entire melted thing of one big gummy that i couldn't even get out <laughs> nice did you try did you try i want to know if you tried to put that in your mouth for a second <laughs> i just tried i was like uh, i need a knife i didn't have a knife i was just like, it's like one of those uh, big mail order gummies that they used to have back in the day the yeah. little five pound gummies yeah there you go so anyways uh i after that just didn't go and get any more so yeah there i didn't you follow looked re- <laughs> you looked really strange sucking on that <laughs> like, like a, a very large massive gummies <laughs> oh all right moving on. moving on hey no moving on Uh-oh. speaking of gen Uh-oh. con richie and i have a bone to pick with you yep right Uh oh so so we're looking at the feed we're looking at pictures you know we're we're sitting there not able to go we're getting our fomo on our fear of missing out we're sad about all this and then beth is is talking to us and saying oh you guys miss you guys too bad we can't see you and all this sweet stuff and of course she even i think maybe you took these pictures of this huge bag of treats for us well I mean, Beth said that they were for us. What? I'm sitting here, and the treats have not gotten into my belly. I mean, Richie, have you seen any of these treats? <laughs> I haven't seen one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I plead the fifth on that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, okay, let's be honest. If I would have brought back the cake bombs, they would have been in my trunk with my gummies, they would have melted together. You guys would have gotten cake bomb gummies. <laughs> well, you at least needed to let me make that decision. That yes. actually sounds kind of good. <laughs> well, I, for anybody that doesn't know, this is this is Beth Moak from, well, she demos at Stronghold Games, and we met her at Origins, and she is just, she's delightful. She's a delightful human being with a great baking skill, and she hands these things out at the Stronghold booth, and man... We are sad to have missed out on. Yeah, they on are such delicious. So. Sorry, guys, but yeah, they were good, and uh, <laughs> everybody around me enjoyed them quite a bit. <laughs> wow. uh, we were going to tell everybody we've got some new recording equipment. Ah, uh, we decided that after ten episodes, we wanted to try to improve the sound quality of our episodes and do something that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I like it or not yet. I can see you two. I was about to say, it's a little weird actually looking at you two. Yeah. 
<laughs> we are all in the same room for once, smelling the same smells, Uh-oh. seeing the same sights. <laughs> so. <laughs> so hopefully you guys hear a good bump in our sound quality. If uh, it's, if something goes terribly wrong, we hope it doesn't. Uh, hopefully we'll get it fixed soon, but we I think we've tested it out. I think we're good. So you'll have to let us know if you uh, do find it to be any better or at least not any worse. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> okay, so while I was at Gen Con, Chad, you were doing? I was doing Gen Cant, which was great. It was a great little experience, and we did it with the game shop in Omaha. And I'll, I'll talk more about this later, but it was it was a blast. I got to meet a lot of new people. And, you know, I, I just want to say, because... Around this time of year, you hear everybody talking about the conventions they're going to, and it really is easy to get that that FOMO I talked about, that fear of missing out. And I think what we need to remember, the thing about our hobby, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about Gen Con, but even from Origins, the focus of all the things, it was nice to look at the games, but look, we're talking about Beth, we're talking about other people. It's really the people that we met and who we played games with, right? So if you can get out and do that, that's even more that's even more exciting than the, the convention itself. So if you're getting out and, and getting your, yourself out there and gaming with people, that's really what it's about. So don't feel too bad if you're missing some of these conventions because just get out there and spend time with people because that's the biggest part of our hobby. But that, yep. that's what I have to say there. Absolutely. And, and uh, so I had a great time. We'll talk more about that. But uh, I want to talk to Richie, who looks like he has been, he came back. He looks like he's been working on his tan a little bit, right? Doesn't <laughs> yeah. he? Just a little bit. <laughs> that, that joke might make more sense if we actually did video. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was on the beach for a good week, beachside and poolside. So yeah, living it up. Well, me and you were working and <laughs> right. uh, trying to, yeah, <laughs> trying to, in, in, you know, increase the podcast and mm-hmm. everything. And he's and you guys down did good work. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, we're glad to have you back, Richie. Uh, you want to maybe talk a little bit about if you did get to play a game, what were you playing? Uh, we took a couple games down with us, but we didn't actually play that many while we were there. But uh, when we got back the first night, we, we actually got in a play of Manhattan, uh, which is an older game. But we played the reprint from Fox Mine Games, and it's designed by Andreas Safarth. And it's a two to four player game. And in Manhattan, you're trying to build the tallest skyscrapers and also the most skyscrapers. Uh, and then at the end of the game, whoever has the most points wins, like most games. Uh, but the way that it works is that the board is uh, split out into uh, six different cities. And these are represented by three by three grids. And on your turn, it's real simple. You have these cards in your hand that also show that three by three grid on there. And you'll play a card and you will put the building into that spot based on your perspective of the board. Uh, so just depending on what side of the board you're sitting on is where the building will go. And then if you if the spot's empty you just put the building there if one of your own pieces are already there on top you just put it on top and then if an opponent's building is there then you have to be able to after that piece is down have the same number of floors as the 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 person that is on top there so let's say they have four floors there if you put down one of your buildings then after that's all said and done, you have to have at least four floors or more. And after that, after you get out all your building pieces for a round, then you go into scoring and you score the tallest building. Then you score whoever has majority is in each city. And then you score a point for every building that you have out there. And then you rinse and repeat that 
depending on the number of players, a certain amount of rounds, and that is it. And this game won the Spiel des Jahres back in 1994. And I would say it, it's actually, it held up for, I mean, it's over 20 years old. And with this new fresh paint job from Fox Mind Games, it was actually a pretty good uh, family weight game. Have either one of you played this at all? I've never even heard of it. Oh, really? And this is a brand new one that just came out from the... Yeah, the, Fox Mind just reprinted just, it, I think, last year it came out. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I saw that. It's really pretty with those translucent yeah, buildings beautiful. and stuff. Mm. So what I'm curious about, and again, this is me, and I have my reputation probably already on the podcast, but <laughs> is it a mean game? Can you oh, it's super mean. buildings? Yes, okay. it is super mean. Uh, but that's a good thing in this game. It's it's definitely the my favorite part of the game. It, and <laughs> the, in area control, one of my favorite things is is when a... A game makes you want to do something, even though, you know, just because that's your area and you want that back. So, like, in this game, it's the tallest building. Like, so if someone takes that tallest building from you, you immediately want to just go back and put that piece on there. Even though it may be better for you to put more buildings in the other spaces uh, and score more points that way. Uh, okay. But, yeah, it's it's really good. Really good family weight game, and I would I would definitely recommend it. And it's even something that we could play as a quick filler. Probably takes about 45 minutes to, to get in, so... Definitely holds up. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Cool. All right. Well, Clef, what have you been playing? Well, recently I got my copy in from Kickstarter. I got Founders of Gloomhaven. Obviously, most people probably have heard of Gloomhaven by now, the big dungeon crawl cooperative game. Well, if you know me at all, I am not a cooperative big fan, and I am not a dungeon crawl fan. So Gloomhaven just wasn't wasn't for me. I gave it a shot. Just didn't really do much for me. But when I heard that Isaac Childress was putting out a new game called Founders of Gloomhaven, that's kind of a Euro, heavy Euro type of city building game, I was very intrigued. And when I watched the Kickstarter and watched the uh, heavy cardboard playthrough, I said, yeah, this looks like a pretty cool game. I want to give it a shot. So I ended up ordering it. And I'm glad I did. But boy, I'll tell you. What a brain burner. So what happens in this game is you are doing some tile placement to build the city of Gloomhaven. Now, how you're doing this is you have a deck of cards, and these cards will, when you put them out, give you certain abilities that you get to do. For instance, build uh, one of your personal building tiles. Could be build one of the city tiles. Uh, could be recruit a new kind of helper that's a new card that you could put in your deck that's a little bit better maybe than your starting cards. Uh, the unique thing about it, however, though, is when you play a card, all of your opponents get to follow the action that you did. So sometimes that can be really beneficial for them because you might uh, you know do something that then they get to piggyback on to kind of help out their actions too. You can stop that by any time you can play a card kind of on its uh, opposite side, which is you can just get a few different things like a coin or a, um, or a road or something like that. And then they don't get to follow. But otherwise, yeah, you always get to follow, which is kind of interesting. And then it kind of has the Concordia thing where you play a card and you get to pick all of your cards back up and use them again. So you have that kind of uh, going on. Very meaty, very brain burnery. Have you, either one of you guys seen much about this or... I've seen a little bit about it and heard, you know, from our local players here in the Omaha community. It just seems so deep because of the interaction between players. Like, I specialize in this resource. 
but everybody else needs that resource and the way that those resources interact and how you have to piggyback and those kinds of things are really difficult to see on your first play from what I understand. Yeah, definitely. The uh, You start off on your home board that your ability, you'll have a certain resource that you get and then you'll get like an extra card that will give you a spe- specialized resource and then everybody else will be that same way. And to build these you know, tiles or these city buildings or these uh, then eventually these monuments or something that they are to kind of for the, the big parts of the city, those all have to use all kind of different resources. So you actually have to use other people's resources to make these buildings. But when you do that, you give them the victory points. So it's another aspect of you're trying to, you have to use other people's resources, but obviously you're trying to use them as little as possible so that you're scoring the most victory points. The way you talked about the cards, are they split like the Gloomhaven game is talk about talking about the cards? So in other words, you know how Gloomhaven, the regular Gloomhaven has that top half and sort of bottom half. Are, are the cards the same way like that? Right, right. There'll be a top half. Well, but it'd be a top half that just simply says, build this, your home building or a town building. But the bottom part just says the follow action is the same thing, mm. except for when you play the card itself, you get a little bit more of a bonus. Maybe it's a dollar cheaper or something like that. So not like Gloomhaven where one part of the card is something and the bottom card is it's totally different. Each card has its own individual thing that it does. It's just a follow action is, is the same, but just doesn't have whatever the bonus is. So do you want to get more plays in now? I do. Uh, you know, I like heavy, meaty Euro games, and I've only gotten that. I've actually only gotten two two-player games in of it. So I'm, boy, I don't even know. A three-player game might just blow my mind. I mean, I might, <laughs> I might not be able to come back to the next podcast. I might be so <laughs> brain burned. But yes, I do want to definitely try it again. And uh, yeah, so that was Founders of Gloomhaven. Chad, what do you got for us? Well, this was one of the games that I was lucky enough to get to teach at Gen Cant to some of our friends in the Omaha area, notably Ryan Freshman. And uh, so we got to we got to play Tammany Hall, which, you know, is a is a favorite around this table, especially of Clef, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to comment. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) For those who haven't uh, heard of it or aren't familiar, Tammany Hall is a really great area control game from designer Doug Eckhart and either IDW or Pandasaurus Games, depending on which publisher you pick. I think it's Pandasaurus right now. But anyway, uh, you play political opponents in Manhattan wards at the time of the legendary Boss Tweed. So kind of the little five points area time period uh, guests like the gangs of new york that that movie that kind of time period and you're moving into wards to gain to, to gain majorities but you're also collecting political favor from the various immigrants of the city such as the germans the irish the italians and the turns are played out over several rounds with cycles of elections where the ward bosses are added up in the regions with the political favor chips players have earned from the immigrants in the wards. And then the favor chips are going to be used sort of blind bidding style to be added to the bosses that are that are already in the region to see who wins. But it really heats up when you have that first election and then the winner gets to be the mayor, the winner with the most wards, 
and then they get to hand out the player powers, which is really interesting in this game. The player powers are like deputy mayor, chief of police, those kinds of things. And these player powers really strongly break the rules of the game. For instance, one is like locking down wards automatically. Another is taking an extra favor chip each turn. It gets to be pretty big, and it's sort of a a balancing mechanism. This game is pretty heavy in negotiation, and it's it's one of those games that is quite a mean game, but I love it because it's so easy to get into the theme of this game. You really feel like you are just being cutthroat in that time, being the being the deputy mayor, you know, just doing just doing backhanded awful things to each other and i don't mind it because of that theme that game taught me one thing oh boy. don't trust richie ever that's what i learned from that game which he was playing it correctly but that was the one thing i learned from that game don't trust richie yeah if there's a game where i can backstab or lie you better believe that's what I'm going to do immediately. <laughs> so don't trust me in any of those games. You, everyone should know this about Richie, though. And uh, and and Richie comes by it honestly, right? Because Richie, what does your dad do? Well, what did he do? I should. <laughs> what did, say. Yeah, what yeah. did he do? He uh, used to do negotiations for UPS. Okay, so there you go. Richie so- <laughs> comes by that skill honestly. He is a sly fox, and uh, he does well in that game. You know, and, and I see where the game is a very good game. It's a it's a very good negotiation type of you know, uh, trying to outwit your opponents. It's just a, not a great game for me because I'm not usually kind of an outwit. I'm, I'm more of the Euro. I'm figuring out my own puzzle type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I see where it's a good game, and, and uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear. So what did uh, Mr. Freshman think of the game? I think he really liked it by the end. He had a big turn because I was hashtag good teacher. For those of you that don't know, <laughs> that means that I was way behind. Uh, but... I I was teaching the game, and Ryan was back with me pretty much most of the way. We figured out our friend Ernesto was in the lead for most of the game. He had gotten out in the lead to be mayor because we let him take these wards that were not contested at all. So he really shot to the lead. It was a big mistake, but I was kind of teaching everybody the game, and everybody was focused on fighting over City Hall and all that kind of stuff. But at the last turn, the last round, we all realized it. We kind of banded together. And Ryan really shot ahead. He only missed the victory by two points. And, you know, wow. and I said, yeah, oh, yeah. Ryan is, is skilled at, at backdoor dealings. He is. So, you know. <laughs> well, there's a reason they call the place Slow Play Studios that, over that's there where right. they record. Because that's how he likes to play games. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to sneak up at the end, and he got very close. But it, it, it was a good game for that. And I think he had a good time. I think they're planning on featuring it in their in their podcast. But it was a, it was a good game and well played. That is is Tammany Hall. Richie, do we do we have anything in the mailbag this time? We do actually. We got a question in from Instagram from Accentuate Gamer 1. And he said, "Interested to hear your feedback on having to punch out game components." Would you prefer them to be pre-bagged, or is there some satisfaction in punching the cardboard components? I've received mixed reviews about the production and packaging aspect. Uh, I know for me, I love punching out games, but Chad, how about you? How about you start this off? That's therapy. Um, That's (laughs) therapy, guys. And that's what, isn't that, that's part of what our name is based on, right? I was just about to say that. We are called Punchboard Paradise (laughs) for a reason. There is some sort of just joy getting to punch out every single... I mean, the more cardboard punch out, the better. 
in my opinion, for, for a game. I have no problem punching stuff out. I don't know about the more. I, like, so Caverna, that took me about 45 minutes. And that's getting close to where, eh, a little too much. I got you beat. I got you beat. I did Antiquity for two hours and 30 <laughs> minutes. And that was joyful for the first hour and a half. But then it got a little bit tiring. Well, it's probably better than the gameplay. <laughs> I like that game. No, I do too. Get out. But it's mean <laughs> or tough. <laughs> uh. Now, one thing that I don't like in as far as for production value is stickers. So when stickers are in a game, um, th- that is not therapy. I, 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 d- I don't disagree with you. I don't love stickers, but I don't mind them. Like, for instance, Wildcatters that was from Capstone Games. I had to put every little sticker on the little oil, oil derelicts that they had, and that took me probably a good half hour to 45 minutes, but I didn't mind it. Still, wasn't terrible. Tammany Hall was another one where you have to sticker all the political favor tokens, and let me tell you, I have some perfectionism in me. I know you guys would be totally surprised. What? About that <laughs> but seriously, it bugs me if those things are off-center, and if I did them, it drives me nuts. So, yes, I am with Richie on this. I do not like to sticker. I, I love I love punching stuff out. In fact, like you know, when my son sees the stuff, he loves to do it too. And I'm like, okay, well, you can have these two punch boards, and that's, that's, that's enough. <laughs> you stay away from the rest of them. Those are mine. Yeah. Uh, so just, I'm assuming that the gamer one here, it must be a distributor or a, a publisher? Or? I think he's a designer from what I understood. A, a so. designer, okay. Yep. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Okay. So. Yeah, well, there's your answer from us from Punchboard Paradise. Yes, please. Let us punch it out. So Accentuate Gamer, thanks for the question. And we would love more. And like we said, that one came through Instagram. It, I don't care how you get the question to us. Just send them our way. You can always send it to our email at uh, punchboardparadise at gmail.com. But like I said, any question, any way you can get it to us is fantastic. Now we've come to the moment that Richie and I have been waiting for. Clef, will you please regale us with some of your Gen Con experiences? Uh, you know, I went there for a few days and uh, looked around, saw some games and hung out and then came home. Yeah, that's about all I got. <laughs> you can't try that joke twice. <laughs> all right. Oh, no. Uh, I, you know, an amazing, amazing time. Uh, took off on Tuesday. We got there on Wednesday. Started off... Uh, we, I was going to be working at the Capstone booth, and so we went there and helped uh, Clay, Tim, and Justin set the booth up, uh, which was kind of cool. I'd never been in before the show actually opened, so it was kind of neat to see other people setting up and, and kind of the behind-the-scenes type of thing. So that was kind of cool, so we did that for a while. So then after I got done with that, uh, Clay had invited uh, us over to his hotel in the lobby there to play some games. And I was really hoping that there might be a chance to play uh, the new copy of Estates, which they had a pre-production copy in, which I was very excited about. So I got over there, and they wanted to have us play an 18xx game, which I was really excited about also. But we had reservations at St. Elmo's, if you remember me talking about that place. Nice. Yeah, uh, at 8.15, so we couldn't play that. But they didn't then let us play their copy of Estates. Um, Another... One of the people who's going to be working at the booth, Andrew, had just shown up, and he was going to be one of the people teaching estates. 
So he kind of did a trial run with uh, my friend Corey and I, who I went with, and he taught us the states. And let me tell you guys, wow, what a fun game. I mean, I'm really like we just recently played container and now estates. I'm really starting to like auction games more and more. One of these days, you know, I mean, we're going to start to getting into some of these 18xx games, and I don't, I'm, I may never look back. You, you, <laughs> I might play exclusively those, and then just become a real board game snob. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> now you backed this right on Kickstarter. I did. All right, good because I, I definitely want to play it. Yes, so I, I think uh, October, I think, is the planned date for that to come out. So looking forward to that one coming. Um, That's great because I've been hearing really good things. I know that most commonly known previously as Noya Hymet. What I want to know is, because now it's called The Estates, it sounds more thematic, which would be something I might enjoy. And you know I'm all in on auctions, but tell me, do you know if it if it is more thematic? What What's the deal there? Uh, I'm sure. Uh, if, if that's your thing, sure. It's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, when, uh, when Andrew went to, to teach it to us he certainly kind of gave us the we are business owners and the city has asked us to build up these estates and blah 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 and there's a mayor piece and he said something about you know and the mayor's just as corrupt as us so he's trying to you know get in there so if you get the mayor piece he'll double your score you know so yeah sure there's there'll be lots of theme there for you good job andrew (laughs) (laughs) okay so anyways once we got done playing that we ended up uh heading over like i said to saint almost Oh my goodness, had the most amazing steak. I, I just, I can't even begin to talk about how not only is it great food and a great atmosphere, but the the waiting staff is like top notch. I mean, you you practically almost have like, it's like seems like three waiters per table. Like you have one person that just fills your water. You have one person that takes your orders. You have somebody else brings it. I mean, it's impeccable service. Yeah, the prices are a little high, but well worth it. So once again, if you ever have a chance to go to Selen Almost, Give it a shot. It's delicious. The next day, I main the big day to start with. Uh, got into the building. I got in a little early with my exhibitor badge. And there was a game that I know all three of us were very much kind of wanting to get. And I was worried because I heard there was only going to be like 60 copies there. And that was uh, Newton, the new game from, uh, well, Simon just reprinted it. The original is... Cranio? Is it? Cranio Creations. Cranio Creations, yeah. Uh, Same people who did Lorenzo El Magnifico, which, if you remember, that is a certain person to my left's favorite game. Yeah, the best game ever. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's it's my number two or three. I can't even remember right now. It's right up there. So anyways, really looking forward to that to see if we could get that. So when I got there, there was a long line at the Simon booth. And I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. I'll stand in line. I don't know. And then I heard the guy say something about, well, I think we're sold out of Newton. And I was like, oh, crud. But I thought, well, I'll stand up here and just make, you know, see. So as I started getting closer to the front of the line, there were two people in front of me. And I look and I could see on the shelves two copies of Newton. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a bad beat right now. I can feel it. (laughs) And amazingly, both of those people went by and, I don't know, went and got gizmos or some other game. I don't know what they went and got. We're so excited for And there were two copies left, but they only let you get one. So, sorry, Chad, I couldn't bring back one for you. But I grabbed grabbed a copy, which I was super stoked about. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. It's okay. I I do just want to remind you, when we did our Gen Con preview, I was like, hey, this game, Newton, you know, anybody heard of it? No crickets. It's going to be a good game. We should get that. 
Just saying. Just because I didn't know about it didn't mean I wasn't going to want it once I did. <laughs> and good. that's strike two. No Newton for you and no cake bombs. The, okay, thank you. Somebody's <laughs> keeping track right now. Oh, no. I've got to strike three here. Uh, so anyways, uh, then, you know, then normal. Th- I started uh, working at the Capstone booth, was uh, demoing Climbers and then Carthago. Had a lot of fun doing that. It was really neat to meet a lot of different people and show a lot of people some great games. Uh, after that, uh, we basically just, you know, a couple of days of conning, looking for stuff, just having a good old time, nothing really all that exciting, until Friday, and this was another really big highlight of the con, was over in the uh, Artania booth, a- Artania booth, and Artana. Yep, that too. And <laughs> was talking to Edward, who was there with the new Taya Tahanica game. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> what? What? Teo Teotihuacan. Isn't that what I just said, Richie? Is that what pretty I just close. said? Okay, that's what I'm I thought I just said. By what, I'm offended by what passes for that name. <laughs> Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. Oh, my God. That was awesome. Woo! All right. I'm just going to not say the word anymore because that's it. That's the best you're going to get out of me. Okay, so and uh, we ran into Edward there, and he had a demo copy of the game. The only copy, the only copy in existence. Like, this is the, the only one. And he was kind enough to say, you guys come back at 6 when we close up. We'll let you guys borrow the game for the night. All you got to do is have the game back by 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, and I'll let you guys play it for the night. And I was just like, wow. I mean, are you kidding me? That is so amazing. And I was I was so happy for him to say that. And that's when I turned my phone off on the beach when I <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that tweet go up. I was like, I don't I don't need to be looking at this. <laughs> Hopefully, that uh, nice sand between your toes was. Uh... <laughs> so we got to bring that home and got to play that. And wow, I mean, I'm just you know once again, I don't want to talk too much about it, but I'm just going to tell you, wow, this is going to be a great game. And it's from uh, NSK Games, right? NSKN. NSKN Games. NSKN Games. And I'll tell you the most amazing thing about this game. MSRP, $50. Wow, that's really good. I mean, you just don't see a big heavy Euro game of that quality for that much anymore. Not to mention from what I saw. I mean, you've got those bake-like tiles for the temple, right? Yep. And, I mean, just the quality of those things alone. And then the variability is nuts. Uh Uh-huh. And... You know, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I've been I've been touting this on the social media because it's it's it is really a precedent to me from NSKN Games to yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was I was talking with uh, Mike from Plan B Games a little bit later in the con. We we kind of had a meeting and and sat and talked about some things. And he was even like, you know, I I can't believe that they're doing that at a at a fifty dollar uh, price. I mean, that's that's amazing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're going to print like a million copies of it or something, and they just think that it's going to be a huge seller so they're just going to go all in i don't know it's that's pretty crazy so anyways uh great game uh, i think the release date looks like essen so october and i think it's going to be I, I think it's one of those games where you're not going to have to wait you know essen and here all the same time not one of those you know wait six months after essen type of thing all right saturday like i said i gotta have a conversation with mike young he's their 
marketing manager, I do believe, marketing, just publicity. marketing, publicity uh, for Plan B. And if, well, if you don't know who Plan B is right now, they are putting out hit after hit after hit. Uh, Azul, Reef, and now just recently, uh, Coimbra. So, I mean, they've got, and oh, not to mention Century Spice Road, that then also now the new version is Eastern Wonders. Eastern Wonders, which uh, Mike told me might be a better game for me, a little bit heavier, a little more gamier than uh, Century Spice Road. So I definitely am looking forward to checking that one out. And Azul won the Spiel des Jahres, too. That is right. That is right. Congratulations to Plan B Games. Well-deserved. Congratulations to Michael Kiesling as well. It is. It really is. That's another game I demoed at Gen Cant, and I just had a lot of success with that. It, it, it's a great game. So congrats to those guys. And you're right. Yeah. They're, they're knocking it out of the oh, park yeah. right now. Huge, huge. Um, he gave me a few little uh, insights to some things coming out that uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk about, but there's some cool things that are coming out. Wait, what? You're not going to share? <laughs> uh, I've been told to hush-hush on a, a big one that's coming, so which is, is pretty exciting, especially for... For me, but that, that that's all I can say. I can't say anything else. <laughs> you want Mike not talking to me anymore? <laughs> well, by I want the, Mike talking to me, maybe. <laughs> by the way, when I first went up and introduced myself to Mike, he gives me this look over me, you know, kind of thing. Goes, wow, I did not expect what I heard on the on the, on the radio to be what's standing in front of me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> and of course, he's like, no, no, I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, okay. <laughs> he wanted you to be a blonde. Oh, well, there, well, sorry, Mike. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, we had a great conversation. Uh, really, uh, really nice guy. And uh, look forward to having more uh, conversations with him and obviously some new things coming out from them later this year. And then that night, uh, ended up going to the Heavy Cardboard Meetup, uh, which was really cool. Got to meet a lot of uh, the elephants there and had some some fun. Played some dice fishing. Uh, a guy named Jonathan pulled out a game called Dice Fishing, which you know basically sounds almost exactly like what it is. You roll some dice, and these fish have different numbers on them, and you have different types of dice, and you're trying to roll them to try to get these combinations. And you got some special dice that you use to... Uh, try to uh, mitigate the the dice rolls, whatever. It's very, you know, non-thought type of game. Uh, Except for we were making fun of Jonathan because to start with, he caught like the first like eight fish and we're like, sure, bring this game out. You're a big ringer. You know exactly how to play it. And all it was was dice rolling. (laughs) (laughs) But then after that, which was really cool, and he had a prototype copy of Lovelace and Babbage uh, that was developed by... I can't remember the person who was developed by Chad. Do you remember? I told you about that. Yes, it board was... game girl Jess, and it was designed by uh, Scott Alms. That's right. Okay, so so she, uh, board game girl Jess was there. So when we were kind of learning how to play this, so she was kind of helping out too. But um, it's well, how do I describe this game? It's kind of a filler game, but a very thinky, heavy, mathy type of filler game. Basically, you're doing these equations, and this one thing I'll tell you for sure, Chad, when Jonathan started explaining this game, he had like 15 minutes of theme before we started this abstract filler game. Good job, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah, you would have loved it. But anyways, um, it's an equation game where you'll have a number, like I think it was 55 was the first number you started off with, and then on this board that'll have like rows and columns and like A, B, C, and D, and one, two, three, four, and like if you go to A1, it will say minus one. Or minus or plus one, I should say. And then the second column would say minus 
five or plus five, and then so on. And what you're trying to do is trying to use these equations. Then there's these characters or whatever, these point things that you're trying to get, and you're trying to match up. So like the number up there might be 26 or something. So you're trying to make your equations hit as many of those numbers as you possibly can. And then pretty much at the end of the game, whoever kind of did the best and hit the most of the different symbols, scores the most points, and is the winner. I think it probably took us maybe 30 minutes to play or whatever. Like I said, it was for a filler. It's kind of kind of a neat type of more thinky type of filler than maybe what you would normally uh, play. So that was cool. Lovelace and Babbage. Yeah. So then really the next day, uh, just did a little bit more demo in at the capstone booth. And we ended up then taking off on Sunday for our wonderful 10 hour drive home. So really that was, uh, that was the weekend at Gen Con. Um, just real quick for me, a couple of big shout outs. Uh, first one for sure. I want a big shout out to Clay Ross and the whole capstone team. Um, uh, Tim, Justin, and then Ted and Andrew. It was a great time. It was a lot of fun working with those guys. And uh, I tell you, if you guys ever have a chance to uh, get to talk to Clay, he is top-notch and a really good guy and, uh, you know, good board game publisher, publisher and, in my opinion, makes some of the best uh, publishes some of the best board games out there. So, uh, Other shout-out, you know, like I said, Edward, obviously, for letting us take that game home was amazing and the whole meetup. And then uh, I'm just going to throw out a real quick shout out to my friend Corey, who I went with, who was a big help all weekend and just kind of helping me get everything kind of taken care of with, uh, you know, since obviously you guys weren't there with me to help me out. Uh, he was helping out with, uh, you know, making sure to get games to the right place, helping me get uh, where I needed to go. You know, a couple of times just let uh, when we drove in, he would go and take care of parking the car so I could get in to uh, do some stuff. And so big, big Big shout out to Corey, and I appreciate all the help. So that was it. That was my weekend at Gen Con. Well, it sounds like you, what I'm most jealous about, obviously you brought these great games back, but honestly, mm. we talked about it. What I'm most jealous about is the people you got to meet. So yeah. that's great. It, it is really great about all the all the cool people you got to meet and the relationships you got to build. And yeah. So. The, the amazing thing, I mean, for and for Gen Con, it just kind of happens, but I think I played maybe four or five games the entire weekend. That was it. And, you know, not counting the demos, obviously. I ran a lot of demos. But uh, I'm talking, you know, and probably big, big Euro-y type of games that I normally play, I think two. I think that's all I got in the entire weekend. But that's okay because it was still an amazing time, and I loved it. And that just reiterates what we talked about, right? Like, it's about the relationships. It's about the people. Know, and that's really what gaming should be about. Yeah, so. and, and truly... I, you know, I missed you guys being there because I wish you guys would have been able to experience it too because it was so much fun. So hopefully next year, maybe we can all go. Thanks, buddy. I wish I had those cake <laughs> pops in my belly too. So, <laughs> as long as I don't get strike three. <laughs> so while I was enjoying Gen Con and Richie was on the beach, uh, Chad, you were running the local Gen Cant. Right. It, that was really great experience uh, through the game shop. I got to kind of co-host a Gen Cant thing from basically as long as they were open. They stayed open from 10 a.m. to midnight, and we had a great time. Tons. I mean, they were so generous. Tons of giveaways. We got to get in on that, too. We gave away some some games and some T-shirts, too. But you know what? It was such a blast because we've been active in the Omaha game scene, but I met so many new people, and they kind of asked about the podcast, but they also asked about a lot of the games. I demoed a lot of 
the climbers, for example, mm-hmm. we talked about that. I demoed a lot of that because it, it really, that game, by the way, if you haven't checked into it, you should because it fits a lot of niches for a lot of different groups. So I would highly recommend it. But also, we did Ice Cool, which is kind of a dexterity game with flicking penguins through doors and collecting fish. And you know what was really funny about that? I got to say, I had a lot of kids walk by and just be desperate to play this game. And their parents would be with them and kind of go, Oh, okay, you know, we can kind of play that. Meanwhile, you get a couple rounds in, and the parents would be like, Oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. Wait, no, you know, and they would be so into it. Nice. It was great. It was really great. And honestly, that was some of my favorite experience at the at Gen Cant because just getting families together and watching them and taking pictures and those kinds of things. And my son, Finn, helped me out, demo a couple games. He was doing some Pokemon demos with with kids and it it was it was a really good time i really enjoyed that and also one of our local listeners gabby and her husband played uh played ice cool with their friend ashanti and one of the things that was just super funny to me is i was at the front desk and dealing with something up there and kind of helping out and she comes marching up to me with her friend ashanti and says hey uh, on this rule, does this mean if I flick a penguin and this penguin hits another penguin through the door, but they steal my my hall pass, does that mean they still get my hall pass and I get my fish? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. And so Gabby says, that's what I thought. And she stops, <laughs> she, she stops away. So you're talking about my new favorite listener, Gabby? I, I, I guess I am. She thinks you're funny, Clef. I don't know where that came Gabby, from. I think you have incredible tastes. I, I, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, anyway, we had, we had some great games, and I was really happy. The other game that I think I talked about was Azul. We played a lot of that, and you guys can attest to this. Even if we don't play it all the time, we can play it with a lot of different people and still be entertained by it. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. And it's one of my wife's favorite games, so I do play it all the time, just about. Yeah, it's a great game, and I think it's really interesting that they're coming out with that that variant, that uh, the stained glass Sting. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, so yes. That'll be big for them. Oh, yeah. But uh, I also want to thank... Thank our local listeners, Joe and Jordan, because they kind of repped by wearing our shirts and they helped out and directed people where to go and just were really good ambassadors. That's that's what it's all about, because if we get more gamers, we have more people to game with. Right. So yeah. that's right. So it's it's awesome. And then lastly, thanks to Lauren, Becky and Norm and and all the rest of the staff at the at the game shop for hosting, because they really made it a a super fun event. They didn't have to do that. It's it, it was great. I even got I even got a demo in. This was one of the few plays that I actually got to play a little bit of. I got a demo in of Junk Orbit by Daniel Solis and Renegade Games. That game was really great. Uh, Bryce, who was sitting across the table, said, "Oh, you're gonna like that game, Chad. You should play it." And it <laughs> it was really it was really interesting how it worked. You you're you're doing sort of a pickup and deliver mechanism, but you're also following the orbits of these planets. And it's kind of like almost almost like how you'd move on a bicycle chain around these planets and you're trying to drop stuff off and you're throwing it's so funny to think about and I couldn't stop giggling, but you're throwing junk one direction and then you're moving the opposite direction and delivering stuff and huh. it's really actually a really elegant mechanism and I I really like the game. Now, the circular tube of a container is a big problem for me (laughs) for storage (laughs) but i will say that that was a great game i got that demo that was fun but uh a big thanks to the game shop from omaha 
and they have one in Bellevue too, of course, but a big thanks to them. We had a, we had a great time. And that's where I kind of want to talk about your friendly local game store. Now, all three of us, we buy a lot, we buy a lot of games, but I think we all at some point support our friendly local game store in this case, usually being the, the game shop because of how much they do demos. They have a huge library. They support events like this. And I think for us, that can be a big deal in, in how the hobby is supported overall. I would recommend just to say that it, it, it's important for us to, to support the hobby in that way. Now I'm not telling everybody out there what they have to do, but I'm just saying, as a discussion topic, it's it's important for us to to support them. Yeah, and I I do. I mean, I definitely buy some. I buy games from the game shop. Yes, I buy games from online too. I buy games at Gen Con. I buy games, you know, pretty much anywhere I, I can. Especially if I find a deal, sure, I'll, I'll go there. But I like going to the game shop because I know, for one thing, I know I can order a game and I know that they'll hold it for me, which is nice. And it's there and it's ready. Um, the other thing I like about buying from the game shop, it's there immediately. I don't have to wait for shipping, and boy, I hate waiting for shipping. That's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's that. And for us, we are extremely lucky in the city of Omaha. I mean, we have five or six different places that sell board games, and most of them have decent areas to play, have nice selection. I mean, we're, we're very lucky here. Sometimes I'm I'm surprised that you know that these many people can stay in business with as much competition as they have in a while. We are a little bit spoiled as far as that goes, and so that's why I'd say it's it's important if you use your game shop to go game, and a lot of people do at those places we talked about. You should support that. So I think that that's important. Again, I'm not going to tell everybody what they have to do, but I think I feel strongly that it's it's a good idea to support that because we just talked about more gamers grows the hobby, right? Even if they're not, we're into a little bit heavier games, even if they're not into heavy games, you know, people grow and people change. And right. People play all kinds of games and we, we play all kinds of games, all of us. So it, And sometimes you don't know, sometimes you might end up playing a game that you're like, well, that's going to be too heavy for me. And then you find out you love it. So that's that's the great thing about gaming with other people. Or you might find out a game you thought was going to be too light for you, like Junk Orbit, and it ends up being an amazing game for you. That's that's the great thing about it. Right, yeah. Just being able to demo it and see it in person without having to drop the money is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of curious, what does everybody else out there think? I mean, are you a big supporter of your local game store? Do you just buy online? Um, I'll, I'll throw something up on the guild and uh, kind of ask kind of a different, you know, multiple choice question and see what uh, people have to say. This is a good question for the guild because not everybody has a local game store or at least a friendly local game store. Yeah. And that <laughs> that's OK, too. You know, so it, I'd love to hear people weigh in. But regardless, that's a good question. So yeah. thanks for weighing in if you come to our guild. All right, Richie, why don't you tell people where they can reach us on the guild? Board Game Geek. 3227 is our guild, I believe. Thank you, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing how he can throw us away. Ooh, that was really good. So now it's time for our feature review of Merlin. All right. Merlin is a two to four player medium Euro game that takes place in about 60 to 90 minutes. It is designed by Stefan Feld. Hold up, Whoa. hold up. Whoa. I'm going to stop you right there because you've done this a couple times when we've talked about it. It is designed by Stefan Feld and Michael Rienek, I think. 
Renick is the way you pronounce True. it. True. Yep. I just want to bring that up because you know this guy he may have come up with the whole the whole idea and then Feld helped you know helped streamline these mechanisms. It's important because how would you feel if people said Punchboard Paradise with the famous Chad Jacobson, you know, and 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 totally left you out? How would you feel about that? <laughs> the game takes place over six rounds <laughs> with the scoring at the end of each even round to start a round each player will roll four dice three of which are their color and one that is a white die the three color dice will move your knight that is on a round table in a circular clockwise direction that all has different action spaces on it. The white dice allows you to move a community Merlin piece, and that one you can actually move in either direction. Wherever you land with either your knight or Merlin, you will be taking the action that they land on. The six main spots are the six principalities that have uh, six different colors. You will there go and use your henchmen that you have to accumulate different items, either cubes, flags, shields, or influence after everybody uses all four of their dice you will pick up your dice roll them again and move to the next round you also will have recipe cards that during the round you will try to fulfill and when you do you will get points for them and then like i said every two rounds you will have different things that you will do for the scoring round the first thing is you will have to fight off these well, bad guys that are coming over and trying to mess you up and you have to use shields to try to defend against them. Then you're also going to be building in this uh, building area to gain different actions from it. And then also during the scoring, you'll gain points for a majority. Then at the end of six rounds, the player with the most victory points is the winner. So that's really kind of just a basic overview and a little bit of adding from Chad. So let's dig in for a deeper game. <laughs> All right, let's start with components and artwork. They're okay. I, I would say the. I mean, the components are fine. It's just little wood bits, like any other Euro game. The art, looking at the board for the first time, it's a little busy. It's kind of like uh, Bora Bora, like another Feld game, where it's a little intimidating when you look at it, but. After a while, the iconography makes sense for the most part. There's one that I have an issue with, but for the most part, it's fine. It's a little busy. What about you, Clef? Well, I would agree the components are pretty basic Euro components. They do the job. The henchmen that you get to use are nice little solid wooden blocks. So it's kind of fun, you know, and in the game, you get to knock people's off. So it's kind of nice when you go out there and you can bump somebody off. It's got decent components there. The card quality's fine. There's no problems with it. Um, I, I believe I sleeved mine because just simply because you use them and you're holding them a lot. So I, I did sleeve mine. As far as art, I thought, or for me at least, I loved the board. I just think it looked beautiful. Now, busy, yes, you know, because when you don't know a game, artwork is always going to look busy. I mean, look at Kanban, you know, you never have a clue what's going on there. But um, <laughs> for this game, once you know it, it's not so bad. And obviously we'll get into gameplay in a minute. But for me, boy, taking a taking a picture is just looks beautiful because all the colors are so nice and vibrant. And that's what I would say. It's it's really the brightness and the color that pops out at you. Yes, it can be busy, but you're right. As as a first glance, you see all that color and 
all that vibrancy. The artwork itself is 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 good. It's fine. You know, it's nothing that excites me necessarily. But it's the use of color in the game that really pops out. And so the components I'd say are average, but I I do like the design and, and the color. All right. So let's uh, segue into gameplay and the expansions. How about that? Well, I'll start off. I, I'll talk just straight up about the gameplay. Um, it does come with one expansion in the box in the main in, in the main box. So when I first got this game, it was quite a while before I had quite a few plays where I did not have the two Queenies expansion. So I played a lot just regular. And in fact, when I first taught my wife this game, she didn't want anything to do with even the base game expansion. So I played it a lot just with the base and still to me a very solid game. And the words that come out of your mouth when you say this are roll and move. I mean, we're talking Monopoly when you talk roll and move. And this game did some things that just made it a really fun, thinky Euro game that I really think is a solid gameplay. I would say the reason that I got excited to do this review is because I had heard some previous reviews that talked about mitigation of the dice. And when you talk about roll and move, that can be pretty important, right? Yeah. So... What I was most interested in is is how that would work. And once we started playing, I would say I was very pleased with how you could mitigate the die. Now, we'll talk a little bit about this in, in a second when we get more into the expansions. But I thought there were plenty of ways to do that. And I was surprised because from the reviews that I'd been hearing, there were a lot of complaints that you couldn't. And in my opinion, I think there are a lot of avenues, especially with the expansions out there, that let you do that. Yeah, I would say with the expansions. Without the expansions, I mean, the Grail is the only way you're going to get apples, right? Yeah, that is correct, because the only other way you get apples is, is from the, the expansion part of the building stuff, yep. And we should say apples mean you can turn a die to any face right. you want to Correct, die. correct, correct. But you still have, I mean, you have the apples, you have the flags that can help change it up. And the thing about it, in a normal roll-and-move game, you think about you're rolling however many dice and you're moving one piece. So you roll and it's not even a thought process. You just move it. The great part about this game is you have three dice that when you first roll, and you can't, uh, if you ever roll three of a kind, you have to re-roll. So you always have multiple different choices that you can use because you're you have three dice that you're moving one person. So you might have gotten a two, a four, and a five, and you look out on the board and maybe two's not great, four's not great, Oh, well, look at there. Five's pretty good. Or at least it's, you know, better than the other two. And then maybe your next option, which is two, that's really good. And it's not like a worker placement game where once somebody's in a spot, you can't get there or anything. So you're never having to worry about that. You're just able to move around the board. But I think that makes it plenty enough of gameplay and mitigation of the dice for it to be a thought-provoking Euro and, you know, good crunchiness for me. Well, you also have those flags, and we haven't really talked about those, but the flags do different things. So the flags, usually you're moving clockwise, but one of the flags will let you move counterclockwise with your particular guys. Another one will let you slide over. You move first with your die, and then you slide to the exact opposite spot of the circle, and you mm -hmm. can use that action spot. And another one, which is interesting, I found this to be more 
more helpful in a multiplayer game rather than just a two-player game, but it means that you can take a spot that any other henchman is on. So you have more choices, obviously, in a four-player game. But those ways are ways to mitigate the dice. Now, you have to visit those principalities to get the flags, but I will say, and this is why I found the Queenie expansion, I think it is number two, the environs, to be the most important expansion because you can go to those spaces on the environs to get a flag, a shield, or a building cube of a specific principality. And once you can start to do that and get those different flags, that lets you really be able to mitigate dice more readily. Yeah, and with that expansion, let's not say, I mean, the the base game, you were still able to go and get flags and shields and put out influence, but there was less of them. There were more just dead spaces were out there. The new expansion makes every space a space that you get something out of, whether it be the Grail or an Apple or Excalibur or something on those lines. And, I mean, really, that I, I think that should have just been in the base game. I don't think that should have been an expansion. I don't. I guess I don't see the point of having any blank spaces out there. And, and I would agree with that. If if there is, if I was to teach a, some to somebody brand new, I wouldn't even talk about that as an expansion. I would just be like, this is the building area, and I wouldn't even, where the other two expansions... Yes, I think you could leave those out depending on who you were teaching the game. Now, see, this is where I'm going to disagree with you on as far as the expansions go. I ended up liking... Well, I agree with you that the one board can just go. The one that comes in the the base game. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of that one. Okay. Because that top row... And this is my kind of issue with the game, is that the... The mission cards or whatever they're they're called, right? Right. The recipe ones you're talking recipe about. Recipe cards. The things I said. Yep. Okay. So random. So sure. random. Yeah, I agree. And so that first line on that allows you to throw away that card, and then you get two points for every. You get an additional point every time you fulfill a lady, uh, lady in waiting, or a builder, or yeah, whatever the shield people and stuff. Yeah. Right. So that, I mean, that's just a gamble because you don't know what card you're going to get going great great then the second row allows you to move them around a little bit better which is not bad right but then that third row which is really what you should be going for correct and really the only one that's worth anything is that building one uh i think the one that allows you to kill one of the bad guys i don't remember what they're called in the game but traitors the, the traitors those the, that one that allows you to kill one per round every scoring round that one's pretty big in my opinion and i don't know that one where like Chad, the last time we played, you got that ability for the lady in waiting where you got, if you ever had an action that had uh, spin and influence and whatever, and you got to instead put out two of your henchmen, that was huge. Yes, you had a lot of great buildings, and we didn't oppose you like maybe we should have, but I think that lady in waiting might have even been a bigger help for you than maybe you think it was. But where I was going to disagree with you with the expansions is that scroll expansion, I actually like a lot. You do? Yes, okay. because one, it gives you... Because there are there are times where you don't have any flags, you don't have any apples, and you're about to go to a principality that you do not care about. So this gives you the option to take a scroll. You may get something out of it that you like, but no matter what, you're going to get that scroll, which allows you to mitigate the dice more and either go up or go down with one scroll. I can't remember what you get for the second when you have two scrolls when you turn in. You can get a shield or a... Put out an influence or pretty okay. much, you know, which any of the things. Yeah, yeah. Or then if you have three, you can turn it in for five points, which in f- five points in this game is is big. Yeah. So 
I actually so when I play it, I, I want to play with the, the the environs or whatever they're called, and then the scrolls. Okay, would be my preferred way of playing. Neither of which are actually included in the base game, which is interesting. Right. So right. those are both Queenie expansion two and three. But uh, I can see that. I wasn't as high on the scrolls, but I can see that. I I do think for new players, like Clef said, that environs is big because it's easy for them to see that they can get something else, which helps them not get as frustrated right. with their die rolls. But I will also say that it seems like, as far as strategy, you cannot discount the environs. That's a lot of points in the game, so you really have to use those. Well, you need to battle people. Right. You, you cannot let somebody, especially in, when you do this, it's a random uh, setup of them, and so and it's by colors on what you're scoring. So sometimes you might only have like a three or a four spot, and sometimes you might like have a seven or eight spot of a color. And if you let somebody get in there and hit those seven or eight spots and they get it every single round, yeah, th- then you're in trouble. Because that's seven or eight spots around. I mean, we should, t- I don't know if we points mentioned it, but for it, every, yeah, yeah, seven for or eight yeah. points around. Which is what happened <laughs> that last game that we played, yeah. where I let I was going to you know pass the buck on to Clef. I wasn't going to battle Chad in the big eight spot. Yeah. I was going to let uh, Clef deal with that, so that way I can score my own points. And then then he came and battled me for some reason, and then Chad was scoring eight points around for... Uh, <laughs> I was feeling sorry for Chad. I thought I'd let him win a game. Was, I think it was near his birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. It was close. But, 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 I've done pretty well since, so I'm good. So a question for you two guys on the Enviros, okay? The new tile that has, or part of that expansion, has some spots where you can be mean. You can go to the spot and... Somebody has to give up like either a building cube or an influence or a shield or a flag. What do you guys think of that for a game that's that's pretty, you know, solitary Euro in your own kind of world? Yes, they're still battling with the henchmen and such like that. But but with that, where that can be a really mean thing to somebody if they've been kind of working on that. What do, what do you think of those? I think you're going to know my answer, so I'll let, <laughs> I'll let Chad answer. <laughs> Well, I would not play it with certain players, and I'm fine with playing it with other players. I think you can pick and choose your audience. And in my situations, when I play with you guys, because I know how rich he is, I was pretty proactive. Yes. And so so I got out ahead and got to that right away. But but with my wife and when I played with my son, I have an eight-year-old, and he did just fine, and he actually really liked the theme, by the way. I think that's that's worth saying. So he had a good time with us. Um, But when I played with them, I, I obviously didn't hop on that. I didn't take it out of the game, but I didn't hop on that necessarily. I had, you have plenty of stuff to do. Right. So, right. so in other words, I, I think that it's sort of a choose your audience. And I yeah. think you did that, right? Uh, for my wife, you know, she definitely, she did not like that at all. She's like, no, that's not the, she didn't mind. Obviously you're battling out on the thing for influence and with your henchman stuff. But with that, you know, you might have had, you know, you're building up, especially those recipe cards that we just talked about that can be kind of random. You might be building up for one of those, and then all of a sudden you get hit with that, and now you've lost a cube or something. That can really set you back. So, yeah, she, we, when we play, we just pretend that those are, you know, you get one of those two resources as opposed to take one away. I like the added interaction because, I mean, after you use your Merlin die, you don't really need to pay attention to anyone else. Because you have your dice, no one can block you. Right. So, I, I but I do like that that added interaction, which because because sometimes it can feel a little solitaire. One last thing before we move on that I think we should talk about because especially Clef, you had brought it up last time on my play. I think that this game makes you prone to analysis paralysis. AP. Now I feel like that I'm the I'm the slowest player of the group. I'll take that on, but I don't think I have super bad AP. Now. 
I think that this game, when you first roll your dice, you roll all three in your Merlin die, and you have a flag that lets you go counterclockwise, you have one that lets you slide across across the circle, you have one that lets you take another henchman spot, you get all those into your possibilities, and you have to sit for a little bit and think about what your first move is going to be and maybe even plan out your next three movements. And so that does slow down the game. So if you're playing with somebody that is really prone to AP, I think this ratchets it up a notch. I should say that. That whole segment was an extremely long talk about AP right there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I will agree with you and disagree with you. I think, and Richie and I both talked about this, you can play the game however you want to. You could play it where when you do have all those options, you can sit there for five minutes and look at every single option you have. Or if you're playing and you're just looking to have a fun, quick game, you can also just go, oh, look there, I got a five. I need that action and take it and move on. And then next time, go, oh, probably would have been better if I would have used my two first and then did my five, whatever. I'm just saying you can play this game both ways. I, I totally will agree with you. You probably are going to play better. You're going to make more points if you really take the time and really map it out. But I think in the same sense, I think that you can, uh, you know, you can just do it with uh, kind of as a fun activity too. Yeah. I mean, I can see where people can get hung up. I will point out though, you've been on a win streak and you've been playing fast. So keep that up. <laughs> right. Right. I think he's won like five of the last games yeah. we've played or something. This is getting ridiculous. I'm just saying that this game kind of encourages you to do so. But anyway, thank you guys. We will move on. I got one more thing, and this is the only, like, the weird thing about this game. And if somebody out there has done this, please let me know. My first rule when I teach this game, and I've played this game now 16 times, okay? So I'm this is coming from some experience. It has a 100-point marker that is with your game so that you, if you go over the 100, you have, obviously, the marker to show you have. I tell everybody the first thing about this game is take that 100-point marker and put it back in your bag. I have never seen anybody score over 100 points. I think our local listener Joe said at one point he scored 97. I think 93 is the highest that I have gotten to. So if anybody out there has gotten over 100, I would like to hear about it because I don't know how you'd do it. I mean, if you're, you know, now, if somebody just lets you, but even the games where we let Chad go crazy in the building area, he still didn't sniff 100. Right. I mean, sure. I don't even know what not the even close. was. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of a, not that I'm upset about that in the game. I just am curious of if anybody's had to use that 100-point marker. And that's all I got, and we can move on. <laughs> so if, if, if we're moving on, we're going to go to our variability and replay, replayability. So, Richie, what do you think about the variability slash replayability of this game? I mean, variability, I mean, there's not much there. You're going to be playing... I mean, the setup is going to be basically the same. The environs is a little different. But for the most part, variability, in my opinion, is, you know, average to low overall. Um, I don't know. Clef, would you agree with I, that? Or? I, would be, I think that's exactly spot on. There's definitely, yes, there is. Uh, the, the environs is probably the biggest variability in the game because like i said you can have small areas and then maybe it's not as worrisome to fight over but you can have big areas and then you really can't let somebody run away with those that's probably the biggest variability i would say in the game um the cards are certainly variable but that's not necessarily a good thing for the game i'm gonna have to agree with you guys as far as that goes i'm not gonna belabor the point but there's not a whole lot of variability here but replayability i mean you just said how long how many plays have you had of it 16 okay and I, I, it's still if you guys said hey let's go play that again 
I'd still play it again. 16 is a lot of plays when we when we figure out how many times we've played each of the games that we that we have. And Richie, you and I, I think, have both played five, yes? Right, yeah. I'm at five. Yeah. So replayability, I, I'd say, is fairly high for this. And, and partially that's because it's a dice game, so it, it really changes things just based on that. And, and just for me, it's one of those games where not only my wife, which I think this is probably the first like kind of a heavier, I wouldn't necessarily call this game heavy, but this is a Euro-y type of game that she has really enjoyed in a long time. So, I mean, I've gotten five, six plays with her, and that's very unusual. So, I mean, that certainly speaks well to a game of replayability, too. And again, like I said, this is... Now, Richie, you said I think this should be included in the base game. One of the things that Queen Games does is they have expansions they include stuff in the base game then they put other stuff out they kind of let you build your own difficulty so for families that can be kind of good because you can take stuff in and out which is which is good in some ways and that allowed my eight-year-old to play with us and again he's super into king arthur right now and he really got into the theme and he could play it and he liked the game he really enjoyed some of the decisions he got to make and so from that perspective again i, I would say you know, it's it's a great game, and 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 you have a lot of replayability in that box. Yeah, and and I would honestly say I would play this game base game. I'd play it with one expansion, two expansions, or all three expansions, which is kind of rare for me. For a, usually, I mean, there's not any one of the expansions I'd be like, I have to play with that. Yes, the the Enviros are probably the the closest thing, but. I still could play without them and still enjoy the game. I don't know about you guys, but... And I think that's a good point. But really quick, before we move into the rating scale and rating the final game, because I think that's what we're moving towards, let's talk about player count for this game, Clef. So player count, you've had, what, 18? 18? 16. 16. 16, sorry. I've played it at 2, I've played it at 3, and I've played it at 4. Give me any three of the counts and I'll play it. A four-player game maybe lasts a little bit longer because obviously you've got three other people taking turns beside yourself. But the flags that we talked about earlier uh, where different things happen with other pieces, you've got a little bit more options there. Three is great. Two still, I still find it to be a great game. I, I don't have any issues whatsoever playing it with two. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much, I would, I would definitely agree. That I think four can be a little long. Uh, I think three is a sweet spot for me because sometimes you want Merlin to move a little bit more. And in that two-player game, yeah. you know, if that if that player doesn't move it or if they just move it like one space or something like that and you can't get where you need to go with Merlin, that can hurt. Yeah, very true. I will agree with you, Richie, and say that three is my Goldilocks spot for this game. But I, I, I think like a lot of Felds, there's there's good playability at all player counts. But three, three is my favorite. Again, I talked about earlier with the two-player, that flag that lets you use a spot that any other henchman is on gets better at higher player counts as well. But again, I think it's pretty good at all. But three is definitely the sweet spot. So, Richie, why don't you lead us into our Punchboard Paradise rating scale? Definitely. So we rate on a scale of one to six. Uh, one being, you know, the game is trash, throw it away, burn it. And a six being a rare game that is uh, just a contender for our favorite game of all time. So, Chad, how about you get us started? You know, this game, I, this game was, like I said, on my radar for a little while. I was listening to everything out there, and I was kind of on the fence. It was a Feld, which really sits well with me, but everybody was kind of down on it when you listen to all the reviews. 
But as I started to play the game myself, I noticed that, you know, there's a lot to this game in the in the mitigation of the dice. There's plenty to do. I didn't feel like I was stuck. And as I came down to it, this game made the back half of my top 10 of the year. So with that in mind, I kind of have to give it a five. I kind of have to give it a five. It's a low five, but it, it's got to be a five, right? Okay. Because because our five is great game, possibly te- top 10 for the year. We'll actively try to get people to play it. And I, I will definitely do that. I mean, there were a bunch of Merlin games going on at the game shop on Saturday. I wasn't able to hop in at that time, but I totally would have willingly. So, so that's where I'm going to settle with this game. How about you, Clef? I'm going to give it a solid five. I mean, it is, I've played it 16 times, so obviously I like it. There's just no question about that. I think it plays well with a different, like I said, I can play it with a gamer. I can play it with my wife. It just has a lot of good replayability for me, even if it doesn't have strong uh, variability. Solid five, and I my top uh, 10 of the year from last year had this in there. I think it was like fourth or something. This game really came out of nowhere and surprised me. I mean, I never thought... Certainly when you heard the roll and write, or excuse me, not roll and write, apologize, the roll and move, then it just wasn't going to be that great. And I really have fallen in love with this game. It's going to be in my collection forever. Another great Steffenfeld game with, who was the other gentleman? Michael Reenek. Michael Reenek. Michael, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to forget your name. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so great game. So definitely a five. Richie, uh, finish us off. So if we're just talking base game, it would actually be a three for me. It's Ooh. a good game Ooh. if we're just talking base game. But I, the randomness of those cards and just not being able to mitigate the dice as much, it would come in at a three. But we have the queenies, so and they they come to save the day for me, and that brings it up to a four for me. It's a game that you know I already have it on pre-order. I already have the expansions at home that I picked up at Origins. It's, it's definitely going to have a place in my collection. I'm just not as high on it, uh, but it, it's definitely a, a solid four with the expansions. Okay. So that is our review of Merlin. Okay. So, uh, Richie, real quick again, uh, you want to tell the listeners where they can uh, follow us? Definitely. So on Twitter, we're at Punchboarders. On Instagram and Facebook, at Punchboard Paradise. And you can, like I said, always send us an email at Punchboard paradise at gmail.com all right well gentlemen that's wait 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 so if you guys remember when we were talking about the origins review or uh, when we were kind of uh, talking about what we did at origins one of the things we mentioned or richie mentioned to us was that jessica would never be caught dead at one of these conventions or if she went there the moment she saw somebody in elf ears she would hit the door. Is that right? I think you so. remember yeah, that? I heard that? Yes, that's very true. Well, look what I have brought back <laughs> from Gen Con. I have in my hand two pairs of elf ears, one for Richie and one for Jessica. There you go, Sir Richie. There are some elf ears for you guys. You can bring those home to her and say, here's what Clef brought us back from Gen Con. <laughs> I wish we had cameras right now. She, yeah, she's going to be thrilled, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Those are going up on Instagram, I think. 
Yes, we'll definitely put those up I on think Instagram. The phrase is "picks" or it didn't happen. And we're we're making Richie wear those elf ears to put that up on Instagram. That's right. We'll see about that. You tell me these made it back, not the cake bomb. Yeah. Oh, that's strike three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, make sure to tune in next time when we will be reviewing the molten hotness from Gen Con. That is Newton from Simon Games. Thanks a lot, and have a great day. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.